Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine. It's no secret that Massachusetts wants clean energy. We need clean energy to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and take on climate change. That's why we're paying for the development of wind farms off our coast and why we've signed a nearly $1 billion contract with a utility in Maine and a utility in Quebec to deliver hydroelectricity produced in Quebec to the New England power grid. There's just one problem. To deliver that hydroelectricity into New England, the main utility has to build a 145 mile power line through the forests of Western Maine. And a lot of Mainers think that's a bad idea. They've gathered enough signatures to put a question on the November ballot that would prevent the project from moving ahead. It set off a huge campaign battle and it's all happening because we here in Massachusetts wanted clean energy from Canada, and the only way to get it was to disrupt the wilderness of another New England state. Most Massachusetts residents have no idea of the fight they've started in Maine. So today we're going to hear from folks on the two opposing sides. They didn't want to appear together, so we're talking to them separately. Our first guest is Serge Abergel, the Director of External Relations at Hydro-Quebec, the utility supplying the electricity that will flow to New England if the power line gets built. Welcome, Serge. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. Tell me how this power line and the power that you intend to supply, your company intends to supply, how will that benefit New England? Well, Hydro-Quebec is a producer of clean, renewable hydropower energy from Canada. So we have these important surpluses and we are planning on exporting this clean energy to New England to displace fossil fuels, which the region right now is heavily reliant on for energy. So this is the benefit. It's pushing out fossil fuels, replacing it by clean energy. And what is benefit? So Massachusetts, customers of utilities here are paying for this project. They're paying for the electricity and paying for this power line. What does Maine get out of it? Well, Maine, like uh, Massachusetts, like the rest of New England, needs to do a transition towards renewable energies. Their challenge is not quite as big as the one that you may have in Massachusetts in, in terms of their reliance on fossil fuel, but they still have a challenge. One thing they're looking for in Maine, especially, they're looking for affordable prices, stably priced energy that doesn't fluctuate all year long. And they're looking for energy for Maine. And we're providing that to Maine as well. Clean energy at, at reduced prices for Maine for about 70,000 homes. So reduced prices, that's reduced prices from fossil fuels that we're relying on now. Is that your point? Reduce prices from the, the current market prices. And market prices are pretty much based on fossil fuels, so you could say that. And one other thing that's interesting about the power you're delivering, it's going to be firm power. So it's as if it's not like solar power that might go out when the sun goes down. This is something we can rely on all year round, right? And this is one of the most misunderstood points of hydropower. Hydropower, the one that we have in Quebec, has reservoirs behind it, we store water. So view this as a battery. When we need this power on demand, we tap into it. We open up the, the floodgates, we produce water for our turbines, it's available on demand. And it's able to balance out these other renewable resources like wind and sun that are not always available. So yes, it's on demand, it's available all the time. 
And it's a great balancer to these renewables that we're seeing more and more throughout the region right now. So why does Maine, there's this fight about this ballot question uh, that I know you're very well, well, well aware of. Why is Maine, or some parts of Maine, some people in Maine resisting this power line? What's your opinion? You know, there's, there's, um, there's two answers, to, there's two parts to this answer. The first part is we are bringing a large amount of clean, renewable hydropower into a region that's heavily dependent on fossil fuels. So natural gas, uh, oil, and so on to produce energy. So of course, our competitors from the gas industry do not want to see us there. They're active, they're campaigning, they're paying millions of dollars in negative ads. They're saying, look, hydropower is not clean energy. We're much better. Don't do this. It'll push your rates up. On the contrary, all the studies out there show it'll push rates down, it'll push emissions down. There's only one industry that stands to lose. That's the fossil fuel industry. That's why they're so active. And this is a big part of the opposition you're seeing in Maine. And they will be giving interviews. They'll be pretending to be caring for Mainers and so on. But the reality is it's, it's essentially what we call astroturfing. It's a company trying to get into a grassroots movement, funding it and making opposition to clean energy. It's no different in the rest of America. It's a sad reality. Parallel to this, you have people in Maine that have concerns about the impact on the landscape, on the sceneries and so on. And we're not pretending this line is invisible, but there are lots, there's lots that's been done to minimize its impact. And on that, on that side, we've done lots of, of progress. It, it's the benefits in our view and in, in the environmental community's views far outweigh the impact. They're going to take out the equivalent of 750,000 cars of emissions worth out of the atmosphere with this project. So um, people that may not be familiar with the history of this project, Hydro-Quebec, when, when Massachusetts was trying to buy hydropower, sort of offered three options, one through a power line through Vermont, one through New Hampshire, and one through Maine. And it, it appeared that Hydro-Quebec didn't care which one was selected. They were, they were going to supply the power to whichever one was selected. The difference was New Hampshire was sort of Massachusetts' first choice, but New Hampshire said no early on in the regulatory process, and it stopped. There was the Vermont option, which a lot of people in Maine point to now, as that was all going to be under Lake Champlain and buried underground, so you wouldn't see any evidence of the power lines there. But for whatever reason, Massachusetts didn't choose that option. It chose the one in Maine. Would the one in Vermont have avoided all this hassle if we had chosen that option? Look, the, the reality is you, you can, from our perspective, and, and, and there's a lot of adversity when you're trying to sell clean energy to any market. There's a lot, lots of adversity. And it, it's essentially, as, as we were talking about earlier, because there's an industry that stands to lose market shares and profits. Whether we're in New York, and we are doing something in New York right now with an underground line all the way to New York City, we have resistance from the gas industry, the same type of resistance as you see in Maine. So I want to say to you, unfortunately, there is no ideal solution that will avoid this. You know, the main line essentially follows existing right of way for, for the great majority of the line. There's only about a 52-mile stretch next to the Canadian border that where, where a new line needs to be constructed but it's being done in a commercial forest that's been logged for years. And there, the 
the the right of way is 50 feet wide, which is essentially like four small four small cars, four compact cars wide. So it's not really an enormous right of way, but it's being used as you know you are destroying northern woods of Maine. It's pristine forest. It represents a fraction of a percentage of what they log every year. Uh, but that argument has been lost, as I said, in this very heated debate that's really heavily influenced by competitors that are, that are trying to steer controversy. One other sort of technical question I wanted to ask you, the complaint about Hydro-Quebec power, there's this suspicion that what you're really doing is shifting power that normally would be going somewhere to other, another state or sold into the open market. You're now sending that, that under contract to Massachusetts. Right. So there's really no environmental benefit at all from this in a, in a global sense, because all you're doing is moving power from one customer to another. Is that accurate? You know, the, the, this, this is an argument that's been brought by the gas industry again. It's very creative and it's completely false. Um, for one, ask yourself, if we're shifting energy around, as they say, why would gas producers, both in New England and New York, oppose us so strongly? We're essentially, if we're doing what they, pre they pretend that we're doing, we're not bringing any clean energy. Therefore, there's not going to be a difference in prices in these different markets. But it's simply not the case. The case is we are bringing this new clean energy to the market because we've built up our capacity in the past 20 years. We've added 5,000 megawatts of power. Now, I know that's, that's, that's a number that doesn't maybe speak to, to, to listeners, but that's the equivalent of energy for 5 million households. So we've added 5 million households of worth of power in 20 years. Growth in Quebec has been extremely uh, slim, if not non-existent. So we've got a lot of capacity that we can bring to the external markets. Right now we're storing this water in our reservoirs. We're not running at full capacity. Our network is essentially oversized for Quebec, oversized for our capacity to export. And this is this clean energy with all these new installations that we've built that we are planning on exporting to New England, to Massachusetts, and to Maine. You know, I, I can only say this so many times, but this is new energy to Maine. This is new energy to New England and Massachusetts. It will put a downward pressure on prices and it will especially reduce pollution. So of course, there's no doubt that the gas industry doesn't like this. So um, how do you think the campaign is going in Maine right now? Uh, now I know you, you told me that you're on the ground there. You're, you're sort of leading Hydro-Quebec's involvement. Uh, and your opponents say you're spending lots and lots of money. I think they've said six million so far and on track yeah. to spend maybe $10 million. Um, so this is a big fight, right? It's, you know, it's, it's something I dream of at night. It's an extremely big fight. Um, I want to say it's a fight against, it's clean energy against dirty energy. It's not, it's as simple as that. And it's, and yes, there's lots of, uh, budgets on both sides. You know, we're spending money, they're spending money. They just announced, our opposition announced, and they now have a lobby firm in Washington, D.C. that works for them, that's giving interviews, and they're taking a stance. And they're spending millions to say, don't take this because it's not the perfect solution. Hydropower is not a clean, stay with gas. Gas is much better, plus your prices. Uh, you know, with us, at least you know what you're getting. Well, you know, we have no choice in this. We have to spend, we have to defend ourselves. And if there is this referendum now, the referendum is all about us. It's about our company, about our project. And we have no, no other choice but to inform 
to, to, to undertake this information campaign that we've done and to make our voices heard. Yeah, you mentioned that it's all about your company. And indeed, this last week, there was this um, a letter put out by uh, current and former lawmakers in Maine complaining about Hydro-Quebec, which is a, a utility owned by the province of Quebec uh, that is spending money. And they're sort of saying, we don't want a foreign government spending money to influence elections in Maine. Um, and they, I guess it's prohibited for a candidate election, but why is it okay for, for, for Quebec to, to be intervening in this Maine ballot question? Well, the, the ballot question is a question about, would you want this project to go forward or not? And we're, we're a direct party in, in this project. It's not about a candidate. It's not about Russian influence into your presidential election or whatever it is. It's simply about this project and these permits that our partner and ourselves have obtained. And so we feel that we have a duty to inform people of the facts. Massachusetts doesn't, doesn't have this issue, but in Maine, they've, I've said, let's have a referendum about this. And, and then you get a couple of lawmakers here that are saying, let's have a referendum about you, but you don't get to speak. Well, we, we don't agree with this. This is not freedom of speech. This is not fair. We never asked for this referendum. We followed the regulatory process for many years. I think three years of, uh, two years of permitting. Gotten all the permits that you can, the, the local permits, environmental permits, uh, public utilities commission permits, and so on. And now they're, they're saying, well, we could take all of this away in this referendum, but by the way, don't speak and don't defend yourselves and let the gas industry defend itself. Representative Ackley, who wrote the letter, has concerns with Hydro-Quebec being a part of this referendum that concerns us directly, but has no problems with the gas industry taking part of it actively. He hasn't sent any letters to them, I don't think. Uh, so, so for us, it's a question of information. It's a question of getting the facts out there. And, and it's a question of freedom of speech, and this is why we're there. And what about Massachusetts residents? Um, my understanding or my belief is that they're pretty unfamiliar with this fight altogether. They, they have no idea what's going on in Maine, largely. And yet we're, we're causing it in a lot of ways. And when you and Central Maine Power, which is the utility in Maine that you're working with, when you guys spend money in this campaign, are you spending money that you're getting under this contract or is it separate from that? I'm, I'm just sort of, what is the role of Massachusetts in this fight, if you will? Well, it, it, essentially Massachusetts is, is the customer for part of the energy that will be transported in this line. As I mentioned, Maine will be getting part of it. Massachusetts will get part of it. Uh, there is really no, you know, once we've committed to that contract and signed that contract with both Massachusetts and the utilities in Massachusetts, uh, that, that was the extent of their implication. At this point in time, we've made a commitment. We need to follow up with this commitment. And, you know, unfortunately, this is coming out of our pockets, essentially. They're saying they're, we're being attacked. It's, it's, it's not, you know, unfortunately, I have to say, it's not a business-friendly environment for a corporation to say, a company like ours, to say, we've invested in this regulatory process, we've invested in this project, and now we need to fight a referendum where anything goes. It's not business friendly and it's certainly not something that we're used to. But once that said, we need to uh, sort of stand up to, to that and, and spend whatever we need to spend because we've already committed to, to Massachusetts. So it's, it's out of our company's profits, current profits now, which have nothing to do with Massachusetts, and we need to deal with this. 
All right, Serge, I really appreciate you joining me today on the podcast and best of luck in the fight ahead. Thank you, Bruce. This has been helpful uh, and I, I hope to speak with you again. Our second guest is Adam Cody, the head of the energy practice at the law firm of Drummond Woodsum in Portland, Maine. Adam is involved in several legal cases challenging the power line that would run through Western Maine. He was also a candidate for governor in 2018, losing in the Democratic primary to the current governor, Janet Mills. Welcome, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bruce. How are you? Good. Let me hit you with an, an easy question for you right off the bat. Why do you oppose this power line that would run from the Quebec, the border with Quebec down near Lewiston, Maine? Well, I, like most Mainers, uh, I'm, I, I, I've been involved in um, public policy and politics and renewable energy in particular in, in Maine for about 20 years. And I generally could, would consider myself pro-development, uh, smart development, I guess. But like most Mainers, I just think this is a terrible, terrible deal for Maine. You know, that sort of hook line of, you know, bad for Maine, good for Spain is resonating with people for a reason. We've got uh, really a foreign company uh, involved um, in running what amounts to be a, a, an extension cord from, from Canada to, to Massachusetts through some of the most pristine contiguous uh, uh, woodlands uh, in Western Maine. Uh, strongly don't believe this is gonna help towards climate change. I think it'd be terrible for the environment. And as a final point, um, CMP, uh, Central Maine Power Company, who's really the, the, the project host for this uh, in the state of Maine, has just such a terrible record. Uh, and, and, uh, and to see them come out and all of a sudden act like they're interested in, in climate change and, and they're gonna run what is, for lack of a better term, one of the largest construction projects in, in the state of Maine history, there's just not a lot of trust there. So there are multiple reasons why I oppose it. And, and I'll just end with, um, the fact that uh, poll after poll after poll, regardless of how much money Hydro-Quebec and CMP dump into this, it's, it's wildly unpopular in Maine, wildly unpopular, uh, and that hasn't moved. Uh, I've never seen a, a referendum so unpopular in my life uh, than this one. So I'll, I'll leave it there and then we can get more specific. So I just wanted to, for, for our listeners, that, that reference to Spain is a reference to the, the parent company of Central Maine Power, I guess, right? Correct. Avangrid. Okay. So, Adam, give us the political landscape on this project. Uh, from what I read, it's made it through a lot of, over a lot of the regulatory hurdles in Maine. It's gotten a number of approvals. It has the support of the governor. Um, and, and, is, is it, and it's come out of that process with a sort of, let's go ahead with it. Has that process been flawed in any way? Well, I think, I think the process uh, is number one, not complete. I mean, it was, we're sort of in midstream. So you're, you're correct to say that, that they've had some successes as far as getting what's called the CPCN, which is a certificate of public convenience and necessity, which is one of the big permits that they need, uh, and they've been working their way through getting approvals through the DEP, et cetera, the governor has expressed support for it. But I, I would say on the other side, aside from there being very strong popular disapproval for this, 
uh, on the legal side, we're also involved in a number of legal cases, one being a referendum um, that under the Maine Constitution, the citizens of Maine can, can uh, bring to a vote uh, in the elections uh, uh, approval or disapproval of this. That's in midstream right now. Um, we've had um, two court cases on this. We've won, we being the ones opposed to the, the corridor, have won at both levels. We're now before the main uh, law court, which is really our Supreme Court. Uh, and a second suit has been filed uh, against their use of public lands in this area. Under Maine's constitution, if you're gonna substantially alter public lands in Maine, our, our legislature is supposed to vote. And having been in, very involved in the state legislature in Maine, I can tell you that there's, there's a, a majority, a strong majority, perhaps a veto-proof majority in the Maine legislature against this project. So, um, so it's it's uh, it, it, although on, on you know CMP and Hydro Quebec are trying to tout their wins, they're in big trouble right now. Um, frankly, I, I I think this is um, more likely than not going to be defeated in one way or another in the state of Maine. So, none of this would be happening without Massachusetts sort of hiring these. Central Maine Power and Hydro-Quebec to build this line and produce this power. How does Massachusetts come across in the debate in Maine? How, how, do, how do you view Massachusetts' role in this whole process? Well, first of all, we love Massachusetts. We, uh, we used to be a part of your state and we wanna thank you for the Red Sox, Celtics and Bruins. Um, uh, but no, this, this is not, an, and, and, and honestly, um, Governor Baker, I, I, I think I mentioned, I've been very involved in clean energy and, and uh, I think it's great what he, uh, and the, the Massachusetts legislature had this, this focus on providing clean power. Uh, respectfully, however, I will offer that this is not the right project to do it. Um, not only uh, from a climate change perspective, this is not going to help the climate uh, in the sense this is just Hydro-Quebec diverting power that they were otherwise selling to customers who were going to pay more. And uh, uh, they're, they're sending it to Massachusetts who's willing to pay more for it than, than folks in Canada will. Second, I already went over the damage it's gonna do to the environment in Maine. Uh, and, and I would respectfully offer that you ought to look at another proposal, I, I, whether it's Vermont um, or uh, or running through the Maritimes, uh, they, those projects were rejected because they were considered too expensive uh, to do. Um, but the one in Maine that, that is now being pushed after New Hampshire was, was um, rejected. They tried to do this first in New Hampshire and it got rejected there. They went, then went to the next cheapest option, which was to run it through Maine. And I, um, I think they had to look at another way if they want to keep doing this. The, the one you mentioned in Vermont, um, that was all under Lake Champlain and underground, so there would be no poles or anything visibly marring the landscape, which there is a lot of that in Maine, right? Yeah, we're looking at a 125-mile transmission corridor, and, and uh, you know, this, is, this really goes through uh, the largest contiguous forest in uh, east of the Mississippi. Uh, 300 crosses 300 rivers and streams, uh, including 200 cold water fisheries. 
those folks from Massachusetts who like to come to Maine to brook trout uh, and others, this is going through right that, that prime habitat area. Um, so from an environmental perspective, it, 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 it's a terrible location. So Hydro-Quebec says that uh, some of your clients in these lawsuits are uh, companies that run gas-fired power plants, and they don't want to see this clean energy come in and displace their or hurt their business. Any truth to that? Yeah, I mean, these uh, there's, there's really, when you have something that is so unpopular, uh, you need broad coalitions. This has a broad coalition, yes. Um, some some gas-fired fossil fuel companies are against it uh, for those reasons. They, But these companies also own solar, they own geothermal, they own storage. Anybody that's in the energy space uh, knows that a lot of these large uh, generation companies own multiple forms of generation. So what you're seeing is CMP and Hydro-Quebec trying to find a villain to deflect from their project. Also on our side, if you will, uh, plaintiffs in my suit or folks uh, that are involved in opposition include uh, environmental groups. Um, they include the Sportsman's Alliance of Maine and Maine Guides and people that enjoy the outdoors. Some of our great leaders uh, and environmental and sports communities also political. Um, we've got uh, you know hardcore Republicans, hardcore Democrats, independents, and, and that's not just flowering or, or, you know, face, you know, putting people up there, including native tribes, by the way, um, as well. But when we did the polling on this, and I've seen lots of polling on this, and uh, it, it crosses every single demographic, every age, every political affiliation, uh, you know, wealthy, poor, in, you know, coastline, rural, uh, rural inland Maine. Um, so, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna pull out the, the group that sounds the worst and and say they're the ones that are against it. But the fact remains, they've dumped about twenty million dollars in ads trying to promote this thing. And if any of you are coming up to Maine, of course after you quarantine for fourteen days, uh, you come up to Maine, you turn on the TV up here, you go to Pandora, you you play some music online. There's gonna be some ad that CMP or Hydro Quebec is promoting. They're doing it all over the papers. They're doing it everywhere. Been very little advertisement on the other side, but the numbers have stayed the same. They've stayed very consistently opposed. So, Adam, the um, this campaign is already pretty expensive. You're, you're talking millions of dollars already, and we're not even barely into August yet. Um, is it one of the biggest campaigns, or is this a regular run-of-the-mill session for, for Maine? This has already become the most expensive referendum in, in Maine history. And as you mentioned, we haven't even come to the post-Labor Day big expense time. Uh, and an, I would say just about all of it has been spent by Hydro-Quebec and CMP to promote this project. Uh, yet the, the, the poll numbers still remain very strongly against it. Um, so I, I think it's... It, we're going to see in our ballots in November uh, in Maine, aside from the presidential uh, race, uh, we're going to see Senator Susan Collins and our Speaker of our House, Sarah Gideon, running in a very close Senate race. And then you'll see this referendum up um, that with the caveat, with the asterisk, I would say that 
there's a lawsuit on that right now. CMP is trying to prevent it. Well, Avant Grid, their parent company, is trying to prevent it from being on the ballot to begin with. When just very quickly, when this first happened, um, uh, the referendum started collecting signatures last year. They submitted uh, more than enough signatures that they needed to put it on the referendum in like January or February. Immediately, CMP sued. They tried to get this thrown out, saying uh, they'd hired private investigators. They had hired a, a, a firm out in Arizona that specializes in getting ballots thrown out um, for various, you know, problems with a notary or somebody didn't put the date or whatever, right? They went through all of these. They tried to get it thrown out. They lost in court. Uh, and then immediately after that, they filed another lawsuit to say that this is unconstitutional. So we went to the lower court. They lost there because the judge basically said, um, you know, this isn't even ripe yet. You can't even claim that you've been damaged because there hasn't been a vote. And now that's on appeal to the law court. Uh, and that'll be decided at the end of August. And uh, if we, the, the folks opposed to the court, or win there, then it'll be on the, the ballot in November. And one last area I'd like to focus on a little bit is you mentioned that the um, power line will cause severe environmental damage in Maine. Uh, and I get that it will be above ground and visible, uh, but paint a word picture of how bad this, you think this is. Is it, is it devastating to wildlife or is it just uh, a scar on the landscape? How would you describe it? So as I mentioned, uh, this is the largest contiguous area of forest east of the Mississippi. It goes right through it. Um, so, and, and also one of the largest uh, brook trout habitat spawning areas all, all through there. This is going right, right through that prime area. Uh, I talked to a lot of Maine guides uh, who really specialize in taking folks on canoeing, uh, fishing, uh, hiking, uh, snowmobile, all these other trips that, that people like to come to Maine to do. This comes through that prime area. Uh, and uh, CMP likes to tout the fact that they're sort of in parts of it jumping on existing lines. But the parts where they're not, uh, this is really going through some, some gorgeous, beautiful area, and it'll be a permanent scar. There's, there's no way around that. And again, um, as I started out this podcast saying, I, you know, I don't think too many people on the side that I'm on, which is opposed to it, are anti-development. I recognize to decarbonize the grid, you've, you've got to build some transmission lines. We've got to work on microgrids. We've got to work on energy storage. We've got to do all of those things. But this project is really the wrong way to do it. it. It it really has not been thought out. And that's really because the main drivers behind it are two companies that are going to make a boatload of money doing this. I mean, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, will be made by these companies doing this. And they they figured it would be the, the quickest, straightest point, in, you know, from point A to point B to go through. Um, so that's the that's the piece on the environmental side. And just to pound the point home for our listeners, all those hundreds of millions of dollars will be paid by Massachusetts residents, electric ratepayers in our state, to, to build this line and to buy the power. Well, Adam, I think I think that should do it for today. I really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I would encourage all the folks in Massachusetts that listen to this 
to really do some research on on what uh, what your state is asking asking of Maine in this. Um, you know, great respect and love for your state, but uh, but please look for another way to do it. Thank you very much, and to all our listeners, we'll see you again next week.